Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 119 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell. That's Riley McConnell. And Riley, the Blue Jays went to our home away from home this weekend to go visit the Seattle Mariners. And all of our friends from the West Coast came down and visited us. And although the series went better, Riley, than it did last year when we were in Seattle and we got swept in four games, it's still we're leaving the Pacific Northwest with a little bit of a sour taste in our mouth as the Blue Jays only win one of the three games and they were nail biters too. There was drama. A lot of stuff happened in that episode. We're going to get into all that in this episode here. And we got a whole bunch of stuff going on. The blue Jays made a trade for goodness sakes. Trade deadline stove is getting hot. So we will talk about that. And then we're going to dive deep into the trade deadline candidates. See what more pieces could fit here with the Toronto blue Jays Riley, but I'll let you have the first word here. How are you? First of all, before we get into the heart of the episode. Jesse, I'm well. And first of all, you're too modest. Jesse cleared the bases with a triple in his big ball day. game tonight. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a big thing. Um, Jesse, it would have been nice if we could have done that in a couple situations in this game, clear the, clear the bags with a triple or an extra base hit. Um, I mean, we had a clutch hit today, Espinal, which is good. Our only one of the series. Listen, it's not, it's not August yet. There's a panic button on the table. I don't think anyone should be pushing it right now. I still think we're in really good shape. Again, our division is just relentless. I don't know how yeah. many times we have to say that. The Seattle Mariners are a pesky team. Mm -hmm. The Seattle Mariners are a very pesky team. Kyle Raleigh, two home runs against us, man. That guy. <laughs> he owns us. The he that owns guy's us. The, the new Nick Markakis of who's yeah. hit the best against the Blue Jays, man. It's unbelievable. And Teo uh, facing us, he – listen, I know that he got a warm uh, standing ovation in the Rogers Center. I don't think he – I think he hit a home run in the Rogers Center, if I'm not mistaken. I know he mm -hmm. had something. He did. And, um, I was there. Well, he, hey, he came, he came up big in this series for Seattle. I mean, sucks for us. But at the same time, too, like – Listen, we put up eight runs on the board. We gave up nine. Every game was super close, Jesse. You said nail biter. Every game was a one run game. It was anybody's game. And there it's everything happened late in the ball games. It was literally the toss of a coin. It could have gone either way. We could have swept them. We could have got swept. We end up salvaging a win in game three. And I'm okay with that. There's a lot of good, and then there's a lot of not so good, uh, Jesse. Like just some guys that should be putting up offensive numbers aren't. Um, like we get in a good start from uh, uh, say Kikuchi in game one, and then maybe not so good from Gosman. Like I feel good about it, but again, it's just one of those series that you look back at and you can say, hey, we we ended up getting a win in game three, and uh, games one and two, one run losses. Like hey. Not not the end of the world, man. We still got a lot of ball to play. And I got all the confidence the boys are going to come in in the next month here. I know we still got a series to go, but we're so close to the deadline where you got two months left in the season and a lot can still happen. Yeah, the three one one games, those could have easily gone either way. But before we dive into the deep and the specifics of what happened in the series, this is episode 119 of Buds and Blue Jays. So my little Blue Jays related facts here are that's how many uh, home runs Sean Green had with the Toronto Blue Jays was 119. And then number 119 was the number of earned runs that Dave Lemonaskis, a pitcher who was on the expansion oh, team, 1977. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how many earned runs he gave up with the Toronto Blue Jays, his season high. And if you go to the war leaderboards, Riley, number 119 for hitter war is Juan Francisco, who I know I had big hopes for a massive swing. 
couldn't hit a curveball though. Um, and number 119 on pitcher war was a guy who was with us on the dog days when the Blue Jays were not so good at the end of the 2010s. And that was Wilmer Font, who I think is now pitching somewhere in Japan. So uh, yeah, 119 there, Riley. Thought on those before we head to the game recaps. I actually know that Dave Blamanowski guy, we that was our expansion drafter, one of the picks yeah. that we got from the Detroit Tigers. I know this from Out of the Park Baseball. Shout out Out of the Park Baseball because I love me, love me doing some expansion drafts. Um, I don't necessarily pick them. I go other ways. I also break the game so I don't end up with a two-star pitcher. I end up probably picking someone a little bit better from the Tigers. But hey, it's Mike. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on my devices it's my baseball universe everyone else is just living in it love that let's get into the game recaps in a little more detail for those of you who might not been able to watch it all in game one the blue jays lose this game three to two the jays had a two-run lead in this game then they give up single runs in the seventh eighth and ninth it was the teoscar hernandez revenge game as he hit a triple honestly the Blue Jays should have walked him and gone after the hitter behind him. But, hey, they didn't, and they burned to pay the price with it. Um, the Blue Jays muster six hits in this one. Danny Jansen hit a big home run in there, and uh, George Springer reached base three times in the game as well. In game two of the series, the Blue Jays lose this game nine to eight. Uh, they gave up three. Kevin Gosman gave up a three home run inning in the bottom of the third. Two innings later, the Blue Jays matched with a three home run inning of their own to take a five to three lead. They end up leading seven to four at one point before Seattle comes back with five in the bottom of the seventh. The Jays were able to get one in the ninth to put it within one, but ultimately were not able to seal the victory here as they lose another one run game and a heartbreaker. The Blue Jays needed a win in the worst way in game three, and they were able to do so. Alec Manoa gave up a two run home run in the bottom of the seventh second but actually put up a pretty decent line for the rest of it here the blue jays were able to get two in the four thanks to a vladimir guerrero jr home run brandon belt added a solo shot of his own and the blue jays were able to sneak out a win with good pitching from the back end of their bullpen to seal out the deal tim Meza, jordan romano got the save albeit shaky was able to get it done with holds from trevor richards and eric swanson so after the series, the Blue Jays have a record of 55 and 45. We are currently six and a half back of the Baltimore Orioles now, who are two games up on the Tampa Bay Rays. We are in the third and final wild card spot. We are a game behind the Astros for the second one, two games up on both the Red Sox and the Yankees. So a lot of baseball to be played and a lot of we got to keep winning, basically, is what I'm getting at there, Riley. Which player do you want to talk about first? Or what's the main storyline to come out of this series for the Toronto Blue Jays? I think there's well, there's a lot of storylines. Our home away from home, we go to Seattle, and I mean, hey, we we hung in there and did what we could. But our game one starter, the former former Mariner, Yusei Kikuchi, man, for me had a hell of a line. Like his his statistics, I I mean, don't it doesn't do its justice. He gave up five hits. And in his workload, which was five and a third, and three of them were infield hits. And he made really good attempts at defensive plays. Um, he's he's a left. He's oh, he's fantastic. He's a fantastic defender. Uh, I think one of them was was fielded to the first base side and the runner avoided a tag. The other ones were little dribblers up the third baseline. And for a left-handed pitcher to make those plays, right, those are tough plays for a lefty to make down the third baseline because you're, you're doing things with your body. You're basically at some point have to turn every angle of your body. And Yusei Kikuchi launched a throw uh, through a strike to belt, uh, leaving his feet in the process on the exit. Uh, but needless, he, he didn't get the out. He didn't get the help. Uh, from himself defensively after some really good efforts. Um, 
all in all, man, his control was excellent. And this is the situation. We've talked about this on the show where Yusei Kikuchi should just trust the fastball more often. He was really, really looking good, man. Up in the zone, touching 97. I don't know. I don't think he touched 98, but he was absolutely lightning in there, striking out eight. And he did get a couple strikeouts on the curveball. I think one uh, down and into right-handed hitters. If you miss with that pitch, it could be very big trouble. But he was able to locate all his pitches. I think, if anything, his fastball was 10 out of 10 in this one. He gave Mm -hmm. up, I think, hard contact with the breaking ball once uh, and maybe had a couple struck foul uh, to righties, but all in all, man, this was great. I think he could have gone longer. I think he surrendered a base runner and Schneider had seen enough. It was the third time through the order. He did. He did his job. Yusei Kikuchi absolutely did a job and it sucks in a way, you know, we couldn't rally around and score more runs in this one. He really, he really deserved to win in this in, in all honesty, but that's just how it goes sometimes. I mean, we had, a lot of 0 for games, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We, we, we compiled six hits. That's not a lot of hits for this Blue Jays team. Mm-hmm. Um, and to score two runs, we end up losing. And yeah, anyways, the loss or not, no win attached to what you say, Kikuchi still gets my first thumbs up. Yeah, Riley, we should talk a little bit about Yusei Kikuchi because at the end of June, he had two starts, one against Oakland, one against Miami, one where he went six innings, one where he went seven innings. He only threw, I think, 83 or maybe 78 pitches in this start. Like it wasn't a lot. Like Yusei Kikuchi could have gone for more. And we talked about in other episodes about John Schneider pulling Yusei Kikuchi early. Like if he's good, he's cruising. Why not give him more of a leash? I know he gives up a lot of home runs and maybe, okay, if he does get tired, he gives up another home run. And maybe that's what John Schneider and company are thinking going through a third time. But conventional wisdom says if your starter isn't going up to like 100 pitches he's still got more in the tank do you want to see Yusei Kikuchi get a little bit of a longer leash here he deserves it man and all honesty like we're we got to go off latest performances I I mean yes players have reputations and things like that but if you look at the recents and what Yusei Kikuchi's done on the air Absolutely, we think we have to turn the tables on him just a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't know about a hundred pitches, but I think you maybe let let let's see what he can do for the rest of that um, for the rest of that fifth, sixth inning area. And I mean, yes, it's the third time through the order, but he was prove he proved in that start that um, you know he he gives up a hard hit and they float a base. Hit and he gives up three infield singles, strike, strike, struck out eight, and only gave up a walk. Like to me, those those are signs that he's just he's still in this ball game. He's very much still has his steam, and he's still ready to throw. And uh, again, it's one of those things like, you know, would he have given up some earned runs later in the ball game? I mean, yes, there's a good chance of that, but he was still cruising, man. I would like to see him. Uh, get a longer leash for sure. Um, yep. But but again, like not super long. I mean, again, if it's a basis loaded, there are two runners on in the sixth inning. I mean, that's it's probably time for Yusei Kikuchi to come out of the ball game, uh, depending on what has gone on before. But again, this is a game. Yeah, Kikuchi could have could have uh, could have you know thrown. 10, 15 more pitches and and maybe we're in a different situation or or we're maybe in a worse spot in the ball game. Who knows? But yeah, in the future, I would like to see it happen. Me too. While we're on the topic of our starting pitching, let's talk about the other two starters who made appearances in this series, and both of them are interesting, Riley. We've been following Alec Manoa every single start he makes. This was his official line today. He went five and a third innings pitch, only three hits, did give up that massive home run, three earned runs total, four walks, Riley, but 
six strikeouts. So you could see a little bit of that. Then the there's a positive and a negative, I guess. You could look at the walks and be like, okay, Manoa still isn't controlling his command. I don't know if he ended up throwing more balls than strikes, but it was that way for a large part of the game here. But I do want to say the slider looked like it was getting better. He did have, I think he got six whiffs on the slider, which was progress. We haven't seen him have that in quite a while. In fact, Pitching Ninja even threw up a video of Alec Manoa getting whiffs on his slider. So that's how you know things are going well when Pitching Ninja is out there clipping your stuff. So... I, I still think overall, we think the start was kind of down, but three earned runs over, you know, pitching into the fifth inning. That'll work, I guess, from Alec Manoa. And then Kevin Gosman, Riley. Um, he wasn't at his normal self. His velocity was down quite dramatically in this one, two miles per hour on the fastball and stuff. And even that was the very first thing I noticed when watching Kevin Gosman pitch in this game. He ended up giving three home runs in that second inning. And when your fastball sitting 92 and not the 95 plus, I can see why a good power hitting team like Seattle can hit them pretty hard here. Maybe he's still dealing with that oblique injury that made him push that start back a little bit that he sustained during the all-star break. So two players there, Riley, Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa, what is your level of concern, I guess, or optimism for those players? I mean, my optimism is still um, pretty high with Kevin Gosman. Let's talk about, let's talk about Gosman for a second and, and talk about, you know, the possible injury that is, that is he's dealing with right now. And to, if, if he has any sort of ailment, if, if his performance is going to be hindered and it's going to worsen his condition, I mean, Jesse, we are trying to make the playoffs and we are trying to make a playoff push. Yeah, but at Gosman's this point, the year, Gosman is a huge part of that. Yep. Yes. I mean, Seattle squared him up uh, back to back pitches. In fact, he gave up uh, home runs to. Whoever, I think one was Julio Rodriguez, and yeah. I wasn't sure. I don't really care what, about what Seattle does. I'm, I'm, I'm watching our guys. I'm focused on our guys. But, I mean, for, this, for the sole fact that Gosman went out there and, and gave up hard contact is, is not a good sign. If you want to take away one good thing from this start for Kevin Gosman, look at, look at his uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio. Nine Ks, no walks. Yep. So the control and command was there. Jesse, the control and the command was there, but he just he just gave up hard contact. I just hope Gosman is, you know, not dealing with something too bad. As far as Alec Manoa goes, um, this is a start where uh, he he also went five and a third, as did Yusei Kikuchi. But mm-hmm. I'm fine with Manoa getting the yank. At this point, if I'm holding two leashes, one for Alec Manoa and one for Yusei Kikuchi, my leash for Kikuchi right now is longer than the one for Alec Manoa. And that's almost crazy to say. Um, you know, if we were to talk about this, I don't know, however long ago, you would have called me nuts. But at this point, like, yes, Jesse, the slider looked great. And six strikeouts does look good. But, I mean, Alec Manoa and the walks he's given up, the uncompetitive pitches he threw and still giving up uh, quite hard contact. Like, there's still a lot of holes in his game. I know he's working on a lot of different things. And, hey, he's a guy who, you know, is was called up to the big leagues and performed immediately. And now we, you know, we look at this 2023 year and see a lot of hiccups, a lot of imperfections in his game. And he's, he's really been hung out to dry and really exposed. We still have to do a good job in protecting him. So him, you know, getting pulled when he did, I have a full agreement yeah. with that. Yeah. We need and to get his fun- confidence up, right? Oh, so the fact, yeah. absolutely. 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 And just then real quick on, on Kevin Gosman. Um, again, if he, if he's not dealing with an injury, 
I, like he's he's due for another great start. Yeah, like, I think he so is too. Due. He like Kevin Gosman right now. I don't know what the votes are. Like he's got to be. I don't think this start pushed him back in the Cy Young. Whatever. I still think he's a top five American League pitcher. And I, I don't know who will dispute that or not, but he's been absolutely fantastic this year. So the start for him, it's not a huge concern, but you would obviously okay. like to see the velo up and the hard contact go down. Me too. It's almost like he's just, he took the break from the all-star break. Maybe that's just what it was. A little bit too much rest for Kevin Gosman. He's got to get back into pitching shape. I will say, Riley, the last Blue Jays player to hit for, or to give up four home runs, but also strike out nine was R.A. Dickey. He did it, and that seems like a guy who could rack up the Ks and also give up some dingers. Um, one more note on the pitching performance here before we move on to the bats here, and that's Jordan Romano, Riley. Jordan Romano got a save in Game 3, adding to his American League co-leader. I don't know if he's still a leader or not, so that was good, but it was iffy. And he did get the he got the loss in the first game, giving up that triple to or the single off the wall to Teoscar Hernandez. What is your concern level right now on Jordan Romano? One out of ten. I mean, hey, it's a he's a top level closer. He's had a really rough last few weeks. And I mean, hey, it's for me, 10, it's, a, it's at a it's a five. I'll put okay. it at a five right down the middle because yeah, I mean, it happens to closers, but when you start to see it um more like, you know, over the course of a two week span, then you start to kind of ooh wow. If it's once a month where he really has a clunker, it's like ah, you get him next time or whatever. But yeah. you never like to see that out of your out of your nine inning guys. But again, he could come out and and be uh, perfection for the rest of the season, or he could go out and have three blown saves in the upcoming month. You never know with relief pitchers. It's a funny job. It all is circumstantial. Who's coming up to the plate, where the wind's blowing, yada, yada, yada. But I still think Jordan Romano was fine. And I still think he's a top level relief pitcher for like the whole MLB, man. He's, he's still, he's still a great talent. And yeah, he just has, has not had the best last couple weeks. I know I probably shouldn't mention it, but still no concern with moving him out of the closers role, right? Yeah. No, he's the guy. He is the guy. He is the figured, guy. Figured he would be. I'm on the same page with that, too. Riley, let's move to the offensive side of the ball where the Blue Jays did some good, and there was also some bad in this series. Blue Jays got home runs from Danny Jansen, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Brandon Belt, all hit home runs. I really like that Dalton Varsho kind of manufactured a run all by his own in this series, even though he was slumping. He's able to do still things to positively contribute to the team. And then there was some negative here, Riley. Uh, Alejandro Kirk hit into a really bad double play that was being pinch hit for from John Schneider. Bo Bichette is actually 0 for his last 17. This is the biggest slump we've seen from Bo Bichette in a while. And Matt Chapman, is he's he had four hits in the series, including a big game, but but he's also striking out a lot here. So Riley positives or negatives, where do you want to go first? Well, I mean, let's talk about the Kirk thing uh, because yeah. it was, it was a, it's a critical situation in a ball game. And let's just say this, he comes back and has a four hit performance. That's great. And, and dandy Good and everything that, yeah. like that. However, there's no RBIs to attach that. There's no runs, So that's not, a, those aren't clutch at bats. Those are empty those are empty at bats in a lot of way. They're empty hits. You're not really manufacturing anything, as you say. Um, but bases loaded in a, in a crucial spot late in a game, uh, grounding into a double play is is probably not what you want to do. We can also question, like like Kirk's up there, and yes. We could have had Dalton Varsha. What it's they're different outcomes all over. I don't know if the double play it could have been a fielder's choice and score a run. Yeah, but, but it's with so slow, right? Like it, I know it makes you want to pull your freaking hair out, man. It did. This is, it did. This is not the. This is hey. 
This is not the first time we've seen this, and it won't be the last. He's very prone to this kind of stuff. I mean, even in his four-hit performance, um, he, he still had not that heavy a contact. I mean, uh, like, you look at it and and say, well, what would Varsho well, – we don't know what Varsho would have done. I mean, at the time, I definitely didn't question what was going on. It wasn't even the back, even in the back of my mind, which after it happened, I'm like, oh, yeah. He does things like that, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Like as soon as it happened, I'm like, oh well, yeah, I guess I guess Kirk does that. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of a head scratcher, man. Uh, Chapman, it's too bad. Uh, we talked before the show. He's probably going to have 162 Ks on the season. And then my question, you know, we threw it back and forth, was like, how? What is an appropriate amount of home runs for a guy who's a strikeout a game player? And I would say probably 40 home runs. Well, he's not hitting 40 home runs. No, he's he's taking way too many big hacks. Their fastballs up and away to him. That's not his pitch to hit. He's trying to just tee off on it, and it's just not working for him. And yeah, quietly, Paul Bichette. Going, I, I think over fourteen in the series. Yeah, over over fourteen in the series. Over seventeen, um, in his last whatever. That's the slump number. Of what it's at right now, but certainly not things you expect. Um, we've seen it last year. Bolbichet at the end of the year turned it on. Hopefully, we don't get a reverse where we already have seen the best of Bolbichet this season. I'm hoping. That that's just, hey, baseball players, you know, go through these times and Bobochette will come back hungry and collect. We see those two, three hit ball games and maybe rack up seven in a three game set or something because we know Bobochette can do that. And that's just baseball, man. That's just and part of it is still he's he's very aggressive, as we know, just pitch recognition. I mean, even I know if I'm if I'm pitching against Bobochette, I'm throwing throwing him throwing him three sliders low and outside. Because at least once, I'm going to get him to swing over a pitch in the other batter's box. Yeah, I have a lot more to add on this hitters, but we do got to move on to our next thing here. I just want to say it'll surprise nobody if Bobochet has a five-hit game coming into L.A. underneath the bright lights there. And um, I wanted to add uh, something I don't remember. Either way, moving on, I guess it must not have been that important. Um, I want to talk about the Blue Jays made a trade, Riley. This is the first trade we've made this year. This one I thought was very interesting. We have acquired left-handed pitcher Genesis Cabrera from the St. Louis Cardinals. We traded away a very young 19-year-old catcher who was way down in our system, just drafted last year. Toolsy guy, interesting things, but is a long way away from the majors. It seemed like the St. Louis Cardinals wanted to kind of move on from this guy. He seemed like he needed to be a change of scenery type move. He does have a big fastball, Riley. He throws 98 and stuff from the left-handed side he's got a lot of gas in there um the only problem with genesis cabrera though is he is a walk guy he does have a lot of walks and all that stuff so the stuff is good riley you know i love a pitcher with good stuff but we'll see how he goes apparently he is in the team he's got an upper 70s curveball the changeup is for right he's got a ton of swing and miss but yeah burned by home runs this year as well so what are your expectations i guess or what do you want to see from genesis cabrera and what's his fit on this team jesse this must be some kind of misunderstanding that's all all right, I won't make any Genesis band jokes anymore, but uh, I, yes, do, nice. I, I do I do love Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. Hey, I like the addition of a lefty. Breaking news, we probably aren't acquiring Josh Hader. This is the lefty that we're going to get deadline time. Yeah, moves. He's not Josh Hader, though. I mean, He's not Josh Hader, yeah. but he's a hard-throwing lefty. Hey, maybe we're putting our eggs in different baskets. Who knows? I'm okay with this move. This guy's young. He has a lot of team control. And 
could he develop under Pete Walker? There's a really good chance that he could. I think his ERA and his whip does look very bad on the air, but there's a lot of good stuff under the hood. Great breaking pitch. And of course, a lefty that throws hard, man, is a great kind of lefty. I could see him possibly develop into a setup kind of role as his career okay. goes on. He Gotta does have more fairly strikes, deep, but yeah. he's, I, he, hey, he's, he's still developing, but at the big league level. I think that it's a. I think it's a good addition. Uh, I think that any kind of depth we can add without giving up a ton is good. And yeah, the Cardinals just kind of wanted to ditch him, which is fine. Is, has the trade been won or lost? Well, we'll see what he could do on the bump for us. But adding another lefty in the bullpen. By the way, Tim Mesa. And again, in the series, he had an appearance and was and was just fine. Yeah. Nothing Not- too spectacular. But yeah, I mean, Tim Mesa is the guy. But to have a second left-hander is there's nothing wrong with that. 19 consecutive scoreless appearances for Tim Mazo is probably something that should have been mentioned earlier in this episode. Um, Riley, with the Genesis Cabrera signing, uh, true or false, the Blue Jays are done adding relief pitchers this trade deadline. I, I, I'm going to say true. I'm okay. going to say true. I, 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 I think so. Yeah, because their bullpen on paper is pretty good. The bad news is, Riley, they had to send down my guy, Nate Pearson, to do so. And I thought that was interesting because they still have guys like Mitch White. And I think they want to give an extended look now to Jay Jackson, which I think is kind of interesting that they chose Nate Pearson as the guy. Um, John Schneider says, you know, Nate Pearson, sometimes you can get by with great stuff. But the next step is for Nate is to execute with that stuff. I think they want him to get his curveball a little better. We did see him get hit hard in the series. Also, back against Miami, he did get hit hard a little bit. I think if you're the Blue Jays and you are trying to put your best team on the field right now, I think Nate Pearson is in that bullpen right now, but maybe they're just trying to spark him a little bit, get into the into his head a little more. I don't know. I'm sad to see Nate Pearson down in Buffalo, but that's what I think the plan is for him. I think like Mitch White is just a waster. I would have sent him down personally, but I'm also I'm also um thinking that uh Pearson's gonna get some good confidence. I don't think that this is the last we see of Nate Pearson in this season. I uh, yes. almost, you know, not a hundred percent certain. I can't predict the future, but I mean, hey, Jay Jackson had one inning of work and did his job. The guy just does not give up base runners. I don't know what it is. I know he's a journeyman. He's a veteran player. I'm fine with what he's Jay Jackson's spot on this team. I'm not okay with Mitch White's spot on this team. Yeah. If it's a toss up between Pearson and Mitch White, it's it's easily going to uh, Nate Pearson, no question. Yeah, not a chance in hell that Mitch White survives the trade deadline. I think the only reason he hasn't been cut yet <laughs> is because the Blue Jays are embarrassed that they made a bad trade trading Nick Frosso and Mitch White, and they're trying to hold on to any grain of salt that they can get for this. Um, Riley, we're running out of time here, and I want to get through this here. I'm going to go through the top 10 names based on Bleacher Report of the top trade targets that are going to be available in this trade deadlines. And I just want you to give me a quick yes or no. Should the Blue Jays trade these guys, or are the Blue Jays going to trade for these guys? Got it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Number one, Shohei Otani. Are the Blue Jays going to trade for him? I absolutely would love to see it. Not a chance. <laughs> I'm kind of with you on that, Riley. I would really love to see it. I just do not think it's going to happen. Um, number two, I guess if the Padres decide to tank and they decide to move on from Blake Snell, how do we feel about him? I, again, I don't, I think that's too steep. I don't think we'll acquire Blake Snell, although, hey, we've, we know what he can do, and but I just don't see it happening. I would love Blake Snell on the team. I think he is very good, but I am with you on this. So I guess Lucas Giolito, the White Sox, is next. I know you love your AL Central pitchers. Is he going to end up a Toronto Blue Jay this year? 
it would be very cool. And there is a non-zero chance that that happens. I mm -hmm. would have to say, um, I, and I'm surprised at the way, I don't know what, what the deal with the White Sox and Giolito is. I think he's a fantastic pitcher with a great repertoire. Um, I don't think the White Sox see it that they got a couple younger guys that they want to ride with, but I would love to see it. I think, I think there's a good, I think there's a, like you, uh, like you say, non-zero chance, but I, I'm very doubtful. Yeah. And next on the list is Josh Hader. I think we kind of touched that. I think that's the name yeah. we'd love to see the most. But again, I think you and I both don't think that's going to happen. Next on the list is a third baseman, Jamer Candelario. Unless we move Matt Chapman, I do not think we are acquiring a third baseman. So I think I can move on to that one. Next on the list, Riley, Marcus Stroman. Is he coming back? I think it'd be really cool. It'd be one hell of a story, man. And um, we ta you talked about it before with, uh, you know, probably... Uh, change of scenery for the the younger guys coming up, but mm -hmm. I would like to think that behind guys like Mattingly and Schneider, that guys like Bo has grown up a little bit. So if he does come back, I don't think it's going to be a toxic locker room. I just want to see us um, win ball games, and I think Stroman is a guy that could possibly do that. I'm with you a little bit. I think he's more likely than the names we mentioned. I just do not think Ross Sackins and Mark Shapiro are going to bring back Marcus Stroman, no matter what he does. Next on the list is Shane Bieber, Riley, and I want to say I am out on Shane Bieber. I have never liked Shane Bieber, even when he was throwing things in the zone crazy and he was putting up these good years. I never bought it. Shane Bieber might be one of those good pitchers in baseball. I've never for a second believed is good, and he just keeps putting up good numbers and shutting me up, but I will die on that hill. I am out on Shane Bieber. I I really like the Guardians pitchers. I was always big on Quantrill. I freaking love Zach. Please, Zach. Uh, sure. Savali kind of sucks a little bit. And then there's another guy, Tristan McKenzie. I mean, he's he's not even my uh, top three favorite pitcher for me. So I'm out on him, too. And he mm -hmm. doesn't even throw that hard. I think his velocity's really decreased. Next on the list is Cody Bellinger, Riley. I'd be into this. I really would. He's had got a WSC plus now, which was equivalent to his rookie season when he first came, not his MVP year, but his rookie year when he first came up. He's looked really good with the Chicago Cubs. We talked about in the offseason. I wanted Cody Bellinger. Um, do you think there's a chance we trade for him? Left-handed hitter, a little different, doesn't really fit the needs, but what do you think? I think it'd be super cool. Yes, Jesse, we were both big uh, preseason. We really wanted to uh, get a hold of this guy. I think depends what the price is because he has put up a great season. He's finally hit free agency. His career is going to look a lot different. He's not obviously the Dodger of uh, the late 2010s. But again, I, I he's he's up there with guys we could possibly get, especially with Varsho batting the way he has um, and Bellinger hitting how he has this year. It, it's it's a it's a possibility. I don't know if we'll go that that steep, though, because it will be a high price to pay. I'm scrolling through the rest of these names in this list, Riley. I'm not going to read them all, but I want to th throw out some names that seemed interesting to me. One, Jordan Hicks. We heard that the Blue Jays had interest in them in the offseason when they were we were talking about the whole, hey, maybe we trade Jansen to the Cardinals thing. Jordan Hicks' name came up a couple times. You want to talk about a big bullpen with a big swing and miss arm. There's that. We've talked about Jack Flaherty. We've talked about Randall Gritchick. We've talked about Michael Lorenzen. We've talked about Tommy Pham. For goodness sakes, those names are all still very intriguing. We talked about Paul Blackburn as well. That's on this list. Another name I could consider is if the White Sox do move shortstop Tim Anderson, I could see the Blue Jays maybe being a play on that one as well. And looking through the other names on this list, nothing really speaks to me unless you want to buy some stock in Mike Clevenger or Rich Hill to join your rotation, Riley. So any other names we're missing that you think, hey, the Blue Jays should probably go for them? I'll buy a nickel's worth of stock for Clevenger. I won't buy anything for Rich Hill. Um, oh, we missed a huge opportunity. We should have just went Genesis Cabrera, Jordan Hicks, and Flaherty for 
like get three pitchers from the Cardinals sure, because yeah. the Car- like that would have been great. I am big on Jack Flaherty, and I'm also big on Paul Blackburn. Um, like poor, poor Oakland. Uh, Paul Blackburn is a guy who I think if he pitched for the Yankees, he would probably uh, his career would look a lot different, right? But it just it just doesn't. But I still think that there is a starting pitch starting pitcher out there who is a soon future Blue Jay. That is my hope. That is the execution. I think that is what needs to be executed. Um, I was watching a video today and talking about, um, you know, when we acquired David Price, that Blake Snell, I think, would be the equivalent of that. Yeah, a guy um, who would be just dominant, uh, right? And, and uh, we, you know, there was a time where David Price was, was absolutely fantastic. I do not think that we will get a Blake Snell. A Giolito would be really cool. Uh, I'm still pulling with guys like Blackburn and Flaherty because, again, I think it would be less of a price to give up. And I'm all about, you know, saving a little bit in the bank for for future because, yes, flags fly, Jesse, That's but right. I do like to leave a little bit behind. You know, it's it don't want to leave us too empty. Yep, I do also want to add, speaking of the farm, Ricky Tiedemann is back. He is throwing. He pitched two shutter innings. Brandon Barriera is back. He is throwing. Hunjin Ryu had another good rehab assignment. Um, everything is looking good there. The Blue Jays, look, the names we are talking about here aren't really high-end names, and I feel like the Blue Jays are actually going to get creative, kind of like they did with the Whit Merrifield move last year. I don't think we're going to get a lot of impact. I think the Blue Jays' success on this season is going to come down with the current core of guys they have on the roster need to put up or shut up, and that's what I think is going to happen here, Riley. Any last thoughts before we call an episode here? Yeah, just one last thought. Uh, still baseball, but uh, something that should probably be touched on is that there was the actual um, Cooperstown um, induction, yes. induction yes. where the plaques go up, and two Hall of Famers both played for the Blue Jays at some point in their career. Fred McGriff and my kind of ball player, Scott Rowland, mm-hmm. finally have their plaques up in Cooperstown. Well-deserved both of them. Fred McGriff, way too long. 493 career home runs, I want to say. I think he's tied with Lou Gehrig. Um, that's just a number that I know in my head. I'm pretty sure, almost 100%. And then Scott Rowland just can do, could do almost everything on, on a ball field. So, And his, he was well-deserved. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who is a perfect um, you know, third-base type guy. That's Scott Rowland. When I was a kid... And I thought of a third baseman on my head. Yeah, I thought of Troy Gloss, but a more complete ball player would have been Scott Rowland. He's at his rifle spot. I was really rooting on him for a long, not a long time, but as soon as he was on the ballot, I'm like, maybe he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's got to get in. And Fred McGriff, yes, the Veterans Committee, whatever. Um, it's tough. It's tough to get in mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame when you don't quite have 500 home runs, but everyone you played with, Tomei, Thomas, guys like that have 500 career home runs baseball. It's just funny that way. Yeah. You have to be good to get into the hall of fame. Who knew? But I am also very glad to get Fred McGriff and um, Scott Rowland in there. I loved watching Scott Rowland as well. Glad he was a blue Jay for a short time that he was there. Um, That'll do it for episode here today. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel, all that stuff. Riley and I will be back again to do this after a busy trip to the West coast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that fun stuff. I hope all your immaculate grids are going well. Riley and I have been posting out links for all doing those as well. So share yours, comment with us, talk to them. Even bonus. If you get some obscure blue Jays on there, we'll love talking to you with that. Uh, Riley, anything else to add? Yeah, Immaculate Grid was great. I checked yours. I was not immaculate. However, I did try and go sicko mode yeah. today and I Welcome ended to up I forget. I, I had 
who I was so lucky with my Scott Pacific pull, but I was very proud of my Jock Jones pull, longtime Minnesota Twins outfielder. And then I remembered that he also played for the Chicago Cubs later in his career because all, all those guys were definitely, I don't think I, I don't think I picked too many players. Maybe Hellickson pitched uh, around 2015. But other than that, these were early 2000s guys. I love Immaculate Grid. It's a fantastic game. Me too. Not we'll see- sponsored, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's free baseball reference. <laughs> yeah. Immaculate Grid. That's some free publicity right there. Uh, we'll see you guys after the Dodgers series. Till then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.